What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ron again. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. We're a few days removed from the Nuggets winning their first ever championship. Uh, truly dominant performance. We're going to be discussing that, where it ranks all time, and just how good the Nuggets have been and where they could go from here. Then we'll be diving into uh, an overall look at, at what we've seen in the playoffs this year, the surprises, the disappointments, some other things like that, for a little preview show of the draft, the possible trades this year, possible draft picks getting traded. There's a lot of question marks ahead over this offseason. We're going to be taking a, a brief look at what we will likely be discussing over over the summer period. But before we get into it, I just want to thank you all so much for listening, as always. Me and Chris, greatly appreciate it. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and we will keep on producing that content. So, Chris, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. And uh, for every one subscriber, I will buy something for Ronan to put in the background, because I realize we've had the barest backgrounds in <laughs> content creation history. At least I, I switch it up a little bit. I've, I'm a nomad. I have nowhere particular to record today. I'm at school. But I'm excited, man. We uh, missed the boat a little bit talking immediate reactions about the championship, but I'm still riding high on that. I think that was like, um, I don't know about you, but like watching that and then watching the post game and just seeing the raw emotion of this team, you know, it, it's always special to see a team win. There's always important storylines to consider, but seeing this team in particular, how much love they have for each other, how much love they have for the city, how they really did it right. Just so many reasons to be just super happy about that. And uh, I'm carrying that into today, man. I'm still happy about it. It's great. I'm not even a Nuggets fan. And I feel like uh, I feel overjoyed. It's great to see. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was awesome. And like, even even though it kind of felt clear, even you could argue after after the third third or fourth game that we we knew this was going to happen. It wasn't until the actual moment when it when it just happens and the 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 release of energy from the players and and the crowd and the staff you see and and it's just unbelievable to watch. I and mean, you look at this Nuggets team as a whole and just a testament to that you can still build organically in this NBA. It's not all about the super teams. It's not all about being that big market that can attract all the top free agents. If you scout well and you have good coaching and you make smart deals, you can still be a competitor in this NBA and the Nuggets are an absolute testament to that. Also, fifth fifth different title winner in the last five years. I mean, we're on a we're on a good run of uh, yeah, yeah. No, no real domination. Every everyone everyone's uh, having their slice over the over the last while. I want to say I saw a tweet about this that David Stern over his uh, over twenty years being leading the NBA that there were only seven different championship winners. And there's already been five under Adam Silver, which is which is really, really interesting. I think the CBA has definitely had an effect on that. And regardless of the head scratches we have with the amount of rules that we're going to have to go over again with the new deal going into next year, um, it's been great to see different teams. And yeah, great scouting, great coaching. Helps to have a uh, two should have been three-time MVP, three-peter MVP, which technically finals MVP, that's three MVPs three years in a row. So that, that's something. But um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's something, and we maybe we'll get a Jokic poster in the background there. For, for if if maybe, we get yeah. a if we get a like and a subscribe, we get a comment down. But we'll we'll get Ronan a, a nice fat Jokic uh, poster. I mean, everyone's saying you look like Jokic. I don't know if we need one. It'll just be like twenty. Yeah, background. let me just be just be like a mirror. I'll just get a mirror in here. And <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm sure Jokic doesn't even care, doesn't care. He doesn't seem to care about anything. So I'm sure he doesn't care that he didn't win MVP. He barely cares that he won the championship. But oh. I don't buy into all that. I mean, some of the times when you hear him just say, oh, I don't really care about this, I don't really care about that. I mean, then you kind of 
it gets to a stage where I'm almost like, why are you even playing if you really if you really don't care at all this, this much? Like, it's getting to an excessive level sometimes. But on the whole, the Nuggets first ever title. They did it on a sixteen and four playoff run. Where do you where would you rank this run by the, the this Nuggets team in as an all, all time? I guess so where where do you see this as? All the great runs we've seen. You look at, you think of the Warriors with KD and Curry. You think of Shaq and Kobe. You think of all the all the great playoff runs, playoff teams. Where where would you rank this run by the by the Denver Nuggets? See, that's that's a question that there's no correct answer for. Like any answer I give will get completely destroyed. But I, I will say this. I will say this. Just given the recent memory of the dominance that we saw from the the Warriors in the period that they had um, the dominance that we saw with LeBron when LeBron would go into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference it was it was you know it you knew what the result was going to be he made it to the finals almost a decade every single time and I feel like looking at this finals round that they had even even though hindsight's twenty twenty and probably when they're winning game one against Phoenix, you're not going to say like, oh, this is going to be an effortless run by Jokic. I think that this finals run feels like the beginning of a team that's going to replicate that sort of standard. So I think when we look back five years from now, this will be the first championship that we look at. Whether they win another one next year or the year after, I I believe they're going to be in a spot where they're going to be effortlessly making it to at least Western conference finals every year or the finals every year, just because of, you know, they, how difficult it was to defend Curry and Clay Thompson and the system they put together there, how difficult it was to defend LeBron and the way that he would just will his teams to the finals. I think you saw a similar level of unmatched dominance from what Jokic and the Nuggets did every single night, night in, night out. So to rank it, I mean, I, I, by that property, I'd say I'd, I'd rank that among, you know, the what we saw from the Miami Heat, what we saw from the Warriors. I, I won't, I can't speak on the uh, the past because someone's gonna bring up some uh, something. But I, I'd say that this has got to be up there just in terms of uh, the caliber of players. The maybe I don't want to say caliber because that that's disrespectful to their current ability. But you don't have a number one pick balling out on this team. You don't have a prima donna sort of superstar leading this team for a team that is so that has such a blue collar feel to it and has such a a humble mentality. I mean that I can't put statistics to that to say that this is the best finals whenever, but that makes this special in recent memory. That this this is a special win for the brand of basketball that the Nuggets have and the brand of players on their team that I'll, I'll say that much that this feels like one of the most unique and special championships based on the people that are behind it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, I think that's a, a good, a good fair answer from you there. It's just interesting. It's just the, the narrative that you're kind of hearing from, from a lot of people is that like, uh, it's just the, the only thing that's missing from this run is that, that one team, that one guy they had to take, take down. And I hate that. I, 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 Durant, respect, Devin I Booker, respect you, ha- LeBron James, that. Anthony Davis, but, everyone calling Hemi Butler. That I guess he doesn't yeah. matter then. Rudy but, Gobert, who's a several-time defensive player of the year. I, I hate that narrative. Yeah, I, I respect that, but at the same time, 
this would have a, an even more impressive look to it, even alone if you think if they had taken out the Warriors themselves, the, the, the defending champions, or say they went, Jokic goes head-to-head with Giannis in the finals and, and gets the win. That's the only thing missing from this being complete and total perfection. And a lot of people are going to look at it in that way, and that's the only thing that's that's riding against this Nuggets team because they earned the right to not have to do that. They earned the right as the number one seed in the West to take on the teams that they took on and for the most part dismantle the teams that they that, that they took on. That That's the biggest part. And Jokic literally went on a run we only have seen from the likes of MJ, LeBron, Shaq. Like the, the level of domination, the unstoppable play, it, it literally had, it was everything and it was non-stop. So even just... Forgetting the team as a whole, Jokic as an individual, uh, top top three, maybe I'll say top five, because I'll always think there's probably the runs that LeBron went on, and I even think that Kawhi run in, in 2019 with Toronto may may live that a little bit longer in the memory, but statistic-wise and dominance-wise, Jokic's playoff run, second, second to none. Over the whole mm. playoffs, 30 points, 13 and a half, rebounds nine and a half assists one steal one block on 57 46 shooting splits that's absolutely insane for for a center for the the, the fat kid that that was never going to make it you know and then in the finals alone 30 points 14 boards seven assists absolute domination the heat had no answer to him no team no player had any answer to Nikola Jokic 67% true shooting. Like, that is just insanity. First ever player to lead the entire playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. He's doing that as a center. Just truly exceptional. And the only way that, that you can ever even try and knock him on this is that they don't come back and do it again. That's the, they're gonna that's going to make things... That's going to make, I think, everyone appreciate this run more if they come back... And they're at least in the finals or the conference finals next year, or they they win another championship in the next two three years. Then you'll come back to this moment and really appreciate it that bit more. I think. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said about Jokic, and I think uh, it's awesome to see him get that attention. Um, and I think more more so than Jokic, because Jokic proved what everybody I think most people who watch NBA knew. He proved it for sure. And I think one question was on Murray. That was the biggest question mark. Um, one of three question marks is one for me is, is are we going to see Jamal Murray repeat what he did in the bubble? Two, do they have the bench depth? Three, do they have the defense? And, and I think what's the reason why this is kind of the beginning, like you're saying, um, is that they proved three things that I think will be consistent. Um, this isn't, like a fluky kind of performance where all of a sudden they, in the playoffs, they, they started doing great. I think that they've had the construct of a team that was built for this. And Murray is that guy. I mean, Murray is now, I mean, he's a championship point guard, uh, does statement of the day. Like he's, you put his name next to Magic Johnson. When you talk about the numbers that he did three games in a row, 10 assists in the finals, the playmaking he did as a guy who's primarily a scorer, the guy is primarily a tireless shooter. Guy's going to get his buckets. That guy switched up, did what was necessary, played defense to facilitate and 
to really, I mean, I mean, they, and this is, this is a big thing I want to get back to is the narrative around the the teams that they had to go through the, the pathway that they had to this championship. It's very easy to, it, it's absurd, really. Like, did anyone say that about the, the Warriors about the heat when they're one seat? I, that that's, that's just how it works when you're the best team in the NBA and you're the, then you're the first seat. Like that, those are the seeds you face. And I think it speaks more to the Heat's greatness in this playoff run that they were the eighth seed and that they had to go through an eighth seed. And that Heat team dismantled the Bucks and Giannis. I mean, that 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 was it was supposed to be honestly that the Bucks or the Celtics first, the Nuggets, or maybe the Suns. That, that, that was supposed to be the matchup. Heat dismantled them. The Heat dismantled the the Celtics. Sorry to skip over the Knicks, but just to talk about another like true like finals contender. I mean that um and we'll we'll talk at some point about Josh Hart's comments about you know this being a success, blah blah blah. But it's neither here nor there. But this Heat team brought the Nuggets to their lowest offensive rating of the season. Like they had to fight and they had to change their game. And that is that is where I will like plant my flag and put my foot down and absolutely say like this team deserves to be celebrated for how they were resilient just as much as the Heat were. I mean, the Heat brought them down to a style of play we did not know them to do. And that that's after outplaying the two greatest offensive players in their greatest moments in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, well, what they were doing in, in Phoenix, and the fact that the Nuggets had to weather that storm. They defeated the Lakers and their in their playoff run where they just defeated the, the Warriors. And so if you're talking about, oh, well, they didn't face it. Well, the Warriors got beat handily by the end of it by the Lakers and what the Lakers were able to do defensively. Lakers defensively did a lot of great things and the Nuggets handled that easily. They dominated. They dominated in the playoffs. You had a couple moments where you're like, ooh, at the Phoenix, we'll see what happens. But they they handled that with such confidence in, in spite of watching Devin Booker and Kevin Durant combine for 70. And they handled the heat and how difficult they were to handle um, by everybody else. I mean, the Celtics could not figure out how to defeat the Heat. I mean, it came down to seven games, but that the Heat, for, for all the talent that the Celtics have, that the Heat all playoffs long were able to give everybody problems defensively and were able to find the hot shooters. And that made them, it doesn't matter what seed they were, that made them the best player in the East. That's that's another duh statement. They were in the final. So I, I don't know, the the narrative that people are are spinning about this not being a fully worthy trip to the finals just takes away the context of everything that they went through. If you watch the playoffs, if you watch the the games that, that these guys fought through and the competition that existed, I mean, that the parody that we talked about, this is, this is it. You have an eight seed that is that good. You have a one seed that is that good. And there's, there's no reason to reduce it down in any way, shape or form. Um, that's all I'd say on that, man. It's, it's absurd. The, this narrative that's, that's going around. Yeah, keep, keep, keep it real simple. Just look at it as this. Jokic, arguably the most dominant individual performance on a playoff run ever. Jamal Murray as a two-star on a team. 26 points, six boards, seven assists, one and a half steals on effectively 50-40-90 shooting. He shot just under 40. He was 39.6% on, on his threes. Then you have the two-way play of this team as a whole, the defensive uh, quality you saw from, from Gordon, from, from KCP, from Brown, the adjustments they were able to make, the, the performances, the, the change-ups they were able to offer, 
this is a great, great team. And this performance, this playoff run has been one of the best. I'd say it's absolutely the best we've seen, I'd say, since probably Kawhi and the Raptors. That was memorable for different reasons. They just had all those dramatic moments, and it was so impressive that Toronto went and won that first championship. This is this is right at that level. And the only thing that's taken away from them in any sort of way is the fact that they weren't the ones who like dismantled the Warriors or, or it wasn't Jokic taken down down Giannis or anything like that. But there is nothing you can take away from this Denver team. They're going to be back doing this for a number of years. And let's just take your hats off. Jokic and Murray, currently the best duo in the NBA. Jokic, without doubt, the best player in the world of basketball. Co- come and get them, everybody else. Come and get them. Yeah, I think the look at not just what they what they accomplish here, but let's let's pay attention to um, moving into next season, the season after that, next five years. How do teams react to this win? How do teams react to this Nuggets team? Not just in terms of um, how are teams in the Western Conference going to revamp their rosters to defeat this Nuggets team that nobody could figure out, but also like how many more playmaking centers are we going to see out there? You, you saw the renaissance of shooting that we had um, with Golden State in reaction to Golden State, everybody shooting the most threes that they can. Um, I think that this is a unique team, but, you know, there's look at a guy like Alpin Shingu and does, does a team, whether it's the Rockets or another team, if, if that's not a team he ends up being on, does another team give a guy like him a chance because of what they've seen here with the Nuggets, seeing that it's possible to have a highly skilled big, highly skilled playmaker in the post to lead a team like that. I, I think that that'll be the true measure of greatness also for this team is how teams will really adjust themselves to counter what they do, but also how teams kind of take notes and figure out, Hey, I mean, this, this might be a, a formula for success that we can have. Cause there's just so, there's so many different flavors of basketball. And I, I love that we saw a very different one this year. I think there's a certain monotony that we got into with watching the, the Warriors win all the time. We're watching, um, watching the, the teams that LeBron was leading win all the time. And now we're getting something very different. I don't think we've had a team like this in quite some time. Maybe the Spurs, I mean, in, in some ways, in some ways. But, I mean, it's so much to an extreme level of, you know, playmaking out of the post. I mean, that we have not in our lifetime seen a player like Jokic lead a team like this. And, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It, it's cool. It'll be cool to see how that has ripple effects in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then looking looking at the playoffs then as a whole, where where we go? Where where do you what do you think is the biggest surprise? What was the biggest surprise to you? Will we say the biggest surprise outside outside of Miami. What was the what was the biggest surprise to you in this in this playoffs? The biggest surprise to me outside of Miami. So if you're taking away clearly the biggest surprise, which is Miami, um, I think the biggest surprise was the Lakers. Honestly, um, I think a lot of people said it. A lot of people you know, don't bet against LeBron, anything like that. But I think to see how the Lakers, um, since their late trade, I mean, they led the league in different lineups by a mile. And that was a team that did not have the continuity that you questioned their health. I mean, LeBron's foot not being healthy. ADs are always questionable. D'Lo being hurt a little bit at the end there. They didn't have any of the factors besides maybe getting in a few more players to succeed in the playoffs. And what they did, I think, that was a big surprise, and they're going to really be able to build on that next season. So I, I think Lakers fans should be hopeful with uh, the run that they had, even though it didn't take them to the finals. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I was actually tempted to say Denver, 
but I guess you can't really call the number one seed a surprise. But no just surprise. the fact that my I didn't have the belief that they were they were going to do it. I I I absolutely underestimated them big time. I'm kind of tempted to lean towards the Knicks. I know they only won one series, yeah. but to get back to winning a playoff series, it was a big step and a, a great first step in the first year of the the Brunson Randall duo. I think that was a I didn't expect them to beat the Cavs as well. That's that's another mm-hmm. thing. I expected the Cavs to be a better team than the Knicks, but the Knicks showed up and they they got back on the right trail. They've first they got back in the playoffs, then they've taken the next step of winning a playoff series. Maybe we go and see them consistently getting to the playoffs and consistently winning playoff series from here. That's a, that's how I would look at that. What about biggest disappointment? Where where would you go there? Uh, is there any other answer besides the Celtics? Um. That has to be Celtics. I, I'll I'll go on to say this: they are probably one of the biggest playoff disappointments in it, maybe the decade, maybe the decade, because their caliber of talent um, and their recent track history. I mean, that you've just been in a finals, you have all the talent. We've we've already belabored this point, but that had to be the biggest disappointment. They had to be home watching this series, watching how the Heat had very little answers for the Nuggets game inside, had very little answers for rebounding, had very little answers for what the Nuggets did as a whole. And they they got to look at themselves and say, hey, we have the talent to do that. The Celtics had the talent and the personnel to really challenge the Nuggets. And that, that would have been a finals reckoning if the Celtics had the discipline and had the game plan you know, necessary to make it to the final. So that that had to be the biggest disappointment when they feel like, you know, they should have been there and they should have been hoisting up the trophy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the Celtics, I think I definitely had them pegged to, at the very least, they got, obviously they got to the conference finals, but I, I think I expected them to be get in the finals at the very least, if not winning a chip after last year. They just had so much talent and they looked so good for such large parts of this this season and then the the just wasn't there in the playoffs. Things weren't ticking. It was a slow, slowly breaking down series on series. Like I'd also look at them beating Philly because they always drag me in every year, and they always disappoint me every year. And beat again, getting hurt can't can't do it for a a regular season and a playoff run. It's just it's it's becoming a all too familiar story in Philly. I'm hoping they can change things up now Nick Nurse coming in I think that could be a way for them to move forward but until I see them in at least the Eastern Conference Finals next year I I'm going to do all of my power to not buy into Philly yeah well what's actually are I think these might be the wrong answers I this is this is the problem this is the problem with uh recency bias as you know who we haven't seen or had the chance to talk about in a while Giannis where was he oh that's right he was at home see Lost in the first round. Uh, KD and Booker, oh, that team that just sent away Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, everything to New York for uh, Kevin Durant. That that doesn't seem to be uh, to match up with reality here. But that those have to be the biggest disappointments. In big picture, what about Minnesota? What would you guys do in the playoffs after you just mortgaged everything for Gobert? Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about teams here that unfortunately couldn't make it over the hump it big picture Celtics took it to seven games we were almost there they were right there and you know Embiid that this the major disappointment of, of not being able to to take care of a game at home 
when it mattered in the fourth quarter. That that fourth quarter is going to haunt them for a while. We'll see what happens. I mean, that this could have a ripple effect with you know, is Harden going to be there? I, I don't know if that's the direct correlative of of whether or not that fourth quarter goes correctly, but that moment is disappointing. But in the big picture, man, there are some teams here at the bottom of the playoffs that should have been more more competitive given what they had done the previous offseason or during the season to make all these moves. And those teams are going to be desperate this offseason. And um, I don't know if this is our transition point here, but there's teams that are going to be making some crazy moves, putting the chips all in, given not just the talent in this draft, but the type of teams that are at the top of the draft here and all the free agency movement we've heard. I mean, we've had like two days, two, three days since the championship ended. And there's already just like, I could point out eight different names of, of people who might be on the move. I mean, the, things are moving really quick. Yeah, it never stops you. You always think, oh, we're getting into the offseason now. Oh, we'll have a little break. But no, the uh, the draft itself is only one is only one week away. That's going to be really, really interesting. There's already guys who are being touted as possibly getting traded, some big stars that could go either way, some guys that teams kind of may have to move on from if they're going to uh, – meet uh, the financial uh, constrictions that are going to be coming down on, on teams and players uh, over the over the next while. And then there's obviously the, some interesting free agents, but we'll look, well, let's look ahead on that. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk draft first. We're not going to get fully into it, but the draft is going to be very interesting. Obviously we know when Manyama is going to be a San Antonio spur. So forget about that. That's, that's all that's done. Two, three, four, and five, the rest of the, the top five picks are not guaranteed. I think the two and three spot in terms of selections could easily be both Miller or Henderson Henderson could go either way. But it's the teams that have the picks could absolutely make make moves with them. The Hornets, the Trailblazers, the Houston Rockets, the Detroit Detroit Pistons. You look, the Pistons are just after getting Monty Monty Williams in. Are they really going to go and draft another guy and have another year of building up another young player? Or are they going to say, I think we've got enough of a young core now. Maybe we look to trade this pick to get some veteran talent in. Same thing mm-hmm. with Houston. You could argue that maybe the Hornets are looking at a at a possible trade. Would be a bit ambitious for them, but when you see the rumors that potentially New Orleans could be willing to trade Zion for a top two, top three pick. Maybe that maybe that opens their eyes a bit. People who cover the Pelicans, oh, I'll just address that real quick. People who cover the Pelicans are, are convinced that that's not surprising, that that's not like, like out of the realms of reality. So I, I think that that's how I really try to get a, a good pulse on, on these uh, trade ideas and these quote unquote rumors. Is, you know, just I mean, just follow the, the people who follow that team every day, who are in those locker rooms, who talk to the executives, blah blah blah. And it's crickets. And those people will uh, have said, like, you know, if if you've been paying attention, like, it's not surprising. So that that is not nothing. Double negative of the day. But really, what's interesting is you know these three teams here that you mentioned. I there's reasons for them to not stay in this draft, to either trade down for for current talent um or just it, it doesn't match up and I, I think you know you just take best player available that, that's always what you have to do it's it's pretty sure and over again this isn't 2k so Victor Wibanyama is going one when we look at the Hornets let's talk about them first their situation is interesting 
because they have their point guard of the future for sure, who is then unarguably the second best player in the draft. I think eighty percent of scouts would tell you, Scoot. There, there's a there's a growing contingent that really believes in Brandon Miller, and I, I think this is this is the disservice that you have with with uh, the NCAA championship is you either get you either get a player that goes absolutely crazy and just completely overplays his stock and he's not that good but he just had a hot run and then he gets drafted five ten places ahead and then it's like wait this guy's actually not that great or you have the complete opposite and Brandon Miller shoots like five percent from the field chokes team doesn't make it and then people have a sour taste in their mouth and scouts are smarter than that. Teams are smarter than that. But it can't help but like see a moment like that and be like, all right, I'm not so sure. But um, is that the next best player? Is there any idea for him to maybe move down? Because, I mean, Scoot Henderson, I mean, the teams are really, really gearing up. And I, I imagine teams like even like the Bulls, teams like the Bulls that are in the middle, have a golden opportunity with these three teams here with Charlotte, with Portland, with the Rockets. When in the last time, I mean, can you remember a time when any of those top five, when two out of the top five, let alone three teams are willing to draft out and it's a good draft. I cannot remember. I cannot remember in a decade. I, I don't think that there's been a better opportunity for middling teams to switch up and rebuild than it is right now. And that that's the overarching point. Like there's so many moving pieces that we could cover. We could spend, we could spend two hours right now talking about all the, all the different reports and rumors of whether or not uh, Hornets are going to move off the pick, whether or not Dame is staying and they're going to trade number three um, and Rockets too, that they're an interesting bunch, but just, just sticking with, with the Hornets here, I, I think, do you think they should take Brandon Miller? Is, is that your, is that your hunch? Purely based off the fact that it's always it always seems to fail when teams try to build around an elite backcourt the in the in the NBA. That's I know that's such a generic thing and it and it comes down to the players and the coaching, but that'd be my feeling. If if Brandon Miller is the guy that he has shown himself to be on the on the run he went down in the in the NCAA championship and that is at that level of a of a of a two way wing. Obviously, he can he has shown sh- struggles defensively. He's just not a, a, not going to be known as a defensive player. But he's also not really someone that a de- uh, an offense is going to target. At least that's how that's how it looks. Maybe it'd be a better fit, but at the same time, Scoot Henderson probably the better player, and can, him and Lamelo could definitely blend their games well together. I think. Yeah. I- you're saying Lamelo and and Brandon and uh, Scoot Henderson. Yeah, that see that's interesting. I, I've I've thought about that briefly because I think there's there's a there are a group of people who would love to see Lamelo a little bit off ball in a, in a combo guard role. Um, I mean, being being kind of a a Alonzo Ball esque type of player. Um, and I, I think. So I, I, you're talking about backcourts failing, and you and you want to have a, a point guard and a point guard. These two guys, I I don't know. I I gotta I gotta come at you for that one. I did Phoenix Phoenix tried that for years. Two point guards, it it doesn't work out. And I think when you have a guy like Lamelo, who that's his team, that's going to be such a big question. You know, if 
if they're just drafting the best player available and they draft Scoot, it's like, all right, so who's who's our best player? Is it this point guard who's everyone's really excited about that's been touted as, you know, the next coming of Derrick Rose? Or is it our other point guard here, Mr. Lamborghini, being featured in magazines on the face of the franchise? That that's something that you know you, you always draft for talent, but I think one thing that that does come into play is personality. Lamella Ball is a personality. Not to say it's a problem or anything like that, but that's your point guard. So the questions you raise into that locker room when you draft a 19-year-old, 21.1 per game score, electric, future all NBA product type guy are going to be inevitable. Those questions will be inevitable. Uh, that that's a tough situation you're in. I think it, I think this team believes in Lamelo though. Mm-hmm. If you believe in Lamelo and there and there is a star to be out to be had out there, and you and you believe that they can take a big leap, I, I think all options have to be on the table. It would have to be a massive deal. It would have to be like a a a star caliber caliber player, multi time All Star kind of guy. That that should be their target, and I think that could be had. I I think that could definitely definitely be had. Because I'll, I'll say this one last thing about, about it. Anthony Edwards right now has had the opportunity to be in the playoffs. Gotten a taste of what he can do. And I think he's vaulted himself into another level in the league. And that's something that Charlotte has to look at. You know, they, they've had a lot of chances to get the right guys in the room, new coaching change, whatever. But they've not been super aggressive beyond, you know, the the trades they've made for, in recent memory, Gordon Hayward, or Terry Rozier, in the past before that, and then what 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 big trades have they made after that? What big moves have they made after that? They've done nothing. I mean that they we thought maybe they do something interesting with their with their pick last year, but you know they stuck around. They drafted Williams. We'll see how that pans out. But it's time eventually for them to get aggressive if they believe they have their point guard of the future. Yeah, I think I think this could be the 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 perfect time. I mean, if they're not gonna do it now, are they gonna wait another two three years until like Lamelo and both both Lamelo and Scoot are, are really at the at a high level of their game to really try and compete then, or do they make the move now? And they 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 obviously have the belief in in Lamelo. They were obviously delighted when they got him. Went on to be Rookie of the Year, and has shown an ability to really look like he's capable of being a a star in the in this league and the potential is there i think the there's teams out there that have talent that want to have a high pick in this draft and it's as good a time as any to get aggressive for charlotte and we know it's obviously always tough for them to kind of attract to attract free agents and and possibly even even attract these these big stars in in, in trades and that but they they may have to take this opportunity as as it comes to them. But of the of the four picks, then which do you think is the most likely? Are we still thinking it's the most likely that Portland are the are the the yeah. main players yes. that trade their pick? Yeah. Yes, and I I think we could do we could probably um we're ad living here, but maybe maybe that's a whole that's like a whole segment on itself, like what what Portland could do. That that's a whole 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 segment because I I think they could pivot either way, but. I think we'll see over this weekend that's going to pick up like wildfire. And we, ha- we haven't even gotten into the, the Brad Beal news that that's going to play a massive role in all of this. Um, and 
before before we jump into Portland, because I I think that's 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 a rabbit hole, man. Once we jump into that, we're we're not getting out. We're 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 gonna be in there for a minute. Don't go deep on but, that, yeah. But but Houston, I mean, of these four, Houston is interesting to me because they're. I, I think they're in a more precarious situation than the Pistons and the Hornets in terms of um, that. There's there's a critical mass of young players that you have on a team, and, and eventually, once you hit that critical mass, you can't you can't develop everyone. It's it's impossible. You, it's impossible to focus on developing that many guys. And Houston is at that point. They have too many wings, too many bigs. Like who who is who is actually going to be a part of this future? And I think that will crystallize at the end of the season with Udoka. You believe in Udoka's culture change and all that. And another thing to consider with them is that they do not have their pick next year. It's top four protected. So they land five, 10, 14, wherever next year, that's not their pick. So with Jalen Green coming into his own, with Alperin Shangun putting himself on the map, with them starting to, I mean, th- this is the thing with young teams like that. You start to develop role players like KJ Martin, and then other teams want them. And then you have to question yourself, okay, like we've developed this guy. Do we keep him? Do we do we just send him off? So you start to become like this young team that's quickly developing productive role players, and then they just get poached. And then you're just stuck with a bunch of young undeveloped players around a star that's not ready yet. I think they should definitely be one of those teams that considers leveling up this season. I mean, they got a new coach and like I said, they have too many young guys and there are plenty of, I think, willing teams to to get into the mix here. Um, depending on who's still there. I mean, Cam Whitmore, that guy's really rising up the, the standings. Amen Thompson, that, that's to be one of the most exciting wing athletes we've seen come into this league and you know i mean that that i mean he rivals anthony edwards type athleticism mm. that guy so i mean there there are names there that other teams would be excited with that i think that the rockets just don't have the space to continue to develop they they have enough there yeah even keeping it simple you look at the the core they they've got they got green jabari smith Alperin Sengun, they should be they should be the three guys that they're focusing on, and to look to possibly get in some some veteran talent around that some some guys that already know what they're doing and they are just good compliments to these young guys. That that should be the focus, I think, for Houston, especially uh, especially this year, especially getting a coach like Yudoka. Obviously, he can develop these young guys, but he's not about losing while while doing that. He wants to develop these guys into the winning culture. And I think that's why the, I think this, this, the Houston Rockets will be, will be aggressive. They won't give up the, the, the pick for nothing, but they'll definitely be aggressive, but we'll get more into the draft uh, possibly early next week. Obviously this day, next week, as we record, this is Thursday, 22nd of June is the NBA draft. We'll get a full draft preview in before then, but then looking at the trade market, possible free, the, the definite free agents, whether they'll stick or go, the main, the main guys that that appear to be the names getting thrown out there in the early days of, of the offseason, Zion, Dame, Beal, and Cat. Those are kind of the big star names. Obviously, we saw both Gobert and, and Mitchell leave the, the Jazz last year. The they went into rebuild mode. Where 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 do you see any of the any of these possible trades happening? Do you see any of them any of them moving on? First of all, put some respect on Jonathan Kaminga's name. He is also in the trade market here. Okay. All right. 
That that's that's the big that's the big ticket here. Who cares about Carl Anthony Towns? All I have to say about him is is dumbass comment. When I retire, I'll be known as someone who changed the game. Yeah, when you retire, you'll be known as a guy who convinced the whole league that maybe having a seven foot shooter is not the way to build a team. Uh, that's that's all I'll say on that. I, where where he goes, I think he's he's likely to be moved. I, I believe that. If you look at the CBA and you look at the difficulty of moving those massive contract contracts and the difficulty of other teams to be taken in those contracts, that guy's, I mean, that was the inevitable. That's the ironic, like crazy take that we had last summer, like of the domino effect of getting Rudy, Rudy Gobert is the end of Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. And I think we're seeing it unfold like right before us. Um, I, I honestly find it hard to, picture where he works best people talk atlanta that I, I don't understand how defensively that works people talk houston rockets i don't understand why that would work next to Jalen green and for yudoka in terms of defense like the, it's very maybe the rafter i mean that i'm just literally throwing teams out there that maybe could could work around that but it, it would be very hard for a team to adjust him as we've clearly seen so It'll be difficult, but I think they'll get it done. I don't know. Do you, do you have a team you have in mind? Yeah, there's no none specifically because it's just it is such a tough fit. I mean, he he like it's so weird to say because he is so talented. But I mean, it is tough to see what teams are going to be willing to give up. What are the T Wolves expecting to get for a guy like him? The, I think those uh, estimations could be quite far apart between the teams looking possibly looking for a trade and what the uh, Timberwolves will be expecting to get for Cat. But I mean, it. I I've seen enough from Ant. I've always believed in Anthony Edwards. I think this is a time where the T Wolves just go, okay, Anthony Edwards is our guy. He is our he's our franchise guy. Let's go out and do what we can to build the best possible roster around him, and forget about having the big three, both Gobert, Towns, and 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 forget about having this transcendent big man scorer in Carl Anthony Towns. Ant is the guy that's going to get them closer to being playoff contenders, championship contenders. He can do that without Cat. Cat, Cat will never be the guy to lead this this T-Wolves team, and I think it's time they moved on from him. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I think, unfortunately, the reality is there will be a lot of addition by subtraction, which is not to say that Cat is not one of the most talented players in the league. Absolutely is offensively. Just what he does is amazing. But taking him out of the equation and allowing them to run a more fluid defensive scheme and allow them to have more continuity and style of play. And just for them to center around Ant, I'm hundred percent in on that. What, what about, what about Beal? Where, where, where do we start with Beal? Man? Like, first of all, the, the, all the reports and all the analysis on this makes complete sense that it's going to be a tough trade. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a no trade clause. So ultimately he is really in the driver's seat here um, and players being in the driver's seat of a trade situation. Yeah. That goes well every single time, right? That, that always goes in favor of every party involved. I see a couple names that I first of all want to just like go like tear my hair out Celtics fans. Really? It's not all of you. It's not all of you. It's probably a minority of you, but that minority, it's a loud minority. I why why do we keep pushing the Beal bandwagon? Because Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal are friends. Can we can we let go of that? We just let's let's actually look at that real quick. Bradley Beal, 
What does he bring to the table? Definitely more playmaking than, than Jalen Brown, for sure. Absolutely. Better three-point shooter? No. Better rebounder? No. Better defender? Absolutely not. Worst contract? By a trillion miles. Like, the, it would not it would not even begin to pan out as a trade that makes sense when you inevitably would have to get rid of Jalen Brown. Let's just, can we just take that off the table? Can we, can we nip that in the butt? Okay, great. Awesome. What about your Knicks? That's my favorite one so far. Interesting. I, my, 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 what I was looking at, I was thinking it's a more realistic option for the scoring that Miami need to add. That's how, that's how I looked at it. That's what they need, but yeah. do the they do they really want to it. give it to him? Yeah, that's that's the that's the other side of it. But uh, yeah, the Knicks would be it would be an an interesting one. I just I wonder how like will they be able to spread enough with would he Brunson and Randall all work together? I I, I don't know. It it it'd be we've we've seen it work. We've seen it work with John Wall. We've seen him have his best his best career year with Russell Westbrook pounding the ball into the, into the hardwood. And ultimately all that say we've seen him be successful with high usage guards as an off ball threat and a secondary playmaker. And we've seen, I can't lie. I, I don't know if the question is Julius Randall. Have we seen Julius Randall? Um, this would spell the end for uh, Archie Barrett. It would mm-hmm. Tru- truly would it, he would, he would become a uh, the fourth option, fifth option, and maybe that's the reason. You'd, not to you'd do almost it. have to include him in, in in the deal. You might, yeah, like I mean, you 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 may as well. You're kind of then relying on him to be to be like almost like a a KCP type of type of player. Then, and I don't know, I don't know if he's going to ever get to that that level of defense. Uh, is he going to be able to accept that sort of position? I I, I don't think so. So I mean, now, I think now you're talking crazy. Now you're talking crazy because then then you start to think about what else what else could Washington do? I mean, they they have role players. I mean, that, that that's one thing I want to talk about in the future. Like what what teams have depth that they can send out? And the Knicks, I mean, the, Denny Avdia that that would be a great guy. You, you saw you saw what he's done defensively in this league. What the what the Knicks could have used from him. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you should trade RJ Barrett. I'm not at all. But if you start to dangle that name, I don't think they need to trade RJ in order to get Beal, by the way. No, I don't think I, so. I, don't I, don't, think so. I, I just think it, it would probably be best for, for RJ in that situation. I think we'd really see him fade as a player mm-hmm. yeah. if, uh, if, if they were to make that move. But that's not a reason to say they shouldn't do it. I mean, it, if Beal's capable of getting back to the, the levels we've seen at him, he's still he's still 29 years old. He's still definitely got years of production ahead. And when he's not, he kind of would and wouldn't be the the main lead guy carrying the team. He kind of would be in situations, but it wouldn't be all about him. I think that that's a good fit for him. I think New York would be a good fit, but I I, I wouldn't be 100 percent sold on them on making the move at this time anyway. Yeah, I I like it more than the Heat. I like it more than the Heat. I, I don't know <laughs> if that ends up being the move because I, I think it it does it does match up with what he's he said. I mean, people really have to read tea leaves to figure it out because Beal has always towed the line of wanting to be there. So this is the first time it's really been clearly about him leaving. But I mean, the money would work. I mean, the the Heat could have him. I mean, the Heat 
could run out there with with Jimmy Butler and Beal. But man, the money for both those teams that that's going to be crippling. We're really going to see the the crackdown on what teams are able to do with these massive contracts on their roster. It's going to be tough. Um, so can we, can we talk about Kaminga? That's this is I I that's what I spend most time on. I mean, I that's, that's the most I mean, important. I, yeah, we, we've we've been true. talking been, about. We, we talked enough on Dame last week. So this is yeah, the biggest star on the move. He's a more of a low key one. We won't we won't get into the Zion. I think we we Zion's probably unrealistic, but possible. I don't think, yeah, but possible, possible at the same time, which is what's uh, which is interesting. So keep keep just keep an eye on on that one. And then before we get into free agents, then we'll we'll take a quick. Want to have a quick word on, on Kaminga? <laughs> how much how much value do you think he has? How much how much do you think? Even just talking well, to the Warriors as a whole, how much are they going to be? Active and trying to to rebound and build another contender with some of the young role players they have. Well, what they've said specifically is they want to turn him into a high first round pick. So let's call that a top ten pick. So who are players and who are teams in the top ten who might be interested? And let's just talk about what Kaminga brings to the table for these teams. I, I think Kaminga's untapped talent. I mean, rebounder shown tremendous energy. Defender. Massive strides. I mean, I, I think he's really proved that he's ready to take it to the next level of being a great switch, switchable defender. He's not that smart and really complicated defensive schemes, but he's improved and he's shown strides there. Playmaker, no. Off-ball shooter, some strides. I mean, there's still potential there. Like This is a guy who, who could be a, a very good third option. And the Mavs have been shopping their 10th pick. Is this the best that you can get in terms of right now talent? No. But I think the, the most precarious situation the Mavs are in right now is realizing that they're out of moves. They're out of of picks. They're going to be owing picks in the future. And they, they they need to find young talent that helps them now. And I think Kuminga, next to Luka Don, the the cutting that Kuminga has shown with the Warriors has been awesome. His activity in the open court has been awesome. Having him and Josh Green next to Luka Doncic, those two guys, two highly athletic, switchable defenders, great rebounders, willing to op- run the open floor. I mean, that's something I think the Mavs could get behind. I mean, you, those options at 10 are not going to be win-now options. They're just not. And then I think about the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers, we talked about extensively, how impressive they looked the first half of the season, how they really looked like. They they just needed a wink. They needed that guy off-ball threat, someone who's going to put pressure on the rim, um, who's going to defend at a high level. You know, maybe maybe that's that guy too. I think they're also a team that has some young talent there that they're ready to to you know accelerate their timeline. And Kuminga's a guy who I think both these teams could maybe argue accelerates their timeline and doesn't bring them back. They don't have to wait a couple of years from some rookie to figure things out. I think Kuminga, depending on where scouts believe him to be, I, I believe that he could arguably be ready to take a new step in a new role, new environment, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think we've seen we've definitely seen grow from him. He's obviously a former a former top top three pick, wasn't he? Seventh. And then he's I think he's uh seventh. Seventh. It was, it was him. It was him seventh and Moody. It's five, isn't not, it? Moody was Kaminga fifth? They were both two top ten picks. Yeah. yeah. So like he, he, like the top talent ten. is still there. There's a reason. There's a reason why he went there and he went to a team like the Warriors. The Warriors wanted to pick a guy like him. And so the talent's definitely there, and you've seen yeah. uh, the ability to make strides, and you see him maybe flourishing in a situation where he's 
just able to the pressures just off that little bit more. Not to say that he can just go and do whatever he wants. Not that not like that at all. But the pressure is not as heated as it is in the being part of the Golden State Warriors, playing alongside Steph Curry, yeah. etc. Like this guy, he's not going to get pulled off the court for yeah. messing a rotation. Yeah, exactly. So stuff like that. And I think that that's why it could be interesting. I think the Mavs got to be aggressive with their pick. I think they have no other option really. They can't. I don't really think they can afford to 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 make this pick themselves. I think they need to. They need to make a trade. They need to try and and, uh, and do something. But obviously, talking Mavs, let's move into the free agents. Kyrie Irving. Does, does he stay? Does he stay in Dallas, do you think? I have no idea, dude. Who knows? Does anyone have any idea? I, I have no clue. Okay, fine. I'll put it to you like this. No idea. Should Dallas keep him? Uh, they have to. Because um, uh, of buyer's remorse because of sunk cost fallacy that everyone suffers from it you you have to like you you made a big decision as a gm as an as an owner you have to own that you can't give up it's not even been a year it's been what what was it 10 17 get 10 games 17 games yeah, I, I can't, it was that, not yeah. 20 it was less than 20 let's say that mm-hmm. easy enough less than 20 games you can't give up on that now that this this has to be marketed as an unfinished product. There's no way they can turn back from that, from the math side of things. Kyrie's side of things. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to read tea leaves. I don't know how to read like a bone bowls or whatever those things are. But um, that, that, by the way, was not meant to be derogatory at all. I was mostly being serious. But I, I don't know. I, he has just already made comments about the Lakers. Um, I mean, now people are floating things about the Phoenix Suns, I, I clearly have a lack of understanding of how financially things work in this world in the NBA if that happens. But um, I, I I have no idea from his side of things. Man. Prob- the problem is there's always a way to make the money work. Every way that it seems un- un- impossible, unfathomable, there always seems to be a way. Three super... Uh, like, dude, all, the news... always seems to be a way. The new seat, like the the entire state of Arizona, would have to like increase their taxes by like ten percent to fund that. There's no way. There's no, no I'm way. Sure they, I'm sure they'd all be willing to do it just for the <laughs> just for Mister Mister Irving. Yeah, everything's gone right when Kyrie Irving plays with Kevin Durant. That that has produced <laughs> the results that they're looking for, and and the culture too. I'm, I'm sure swapping in the swapping out the culture that you built with Chris Paul for for all the culture that uh, Kyrie Irving has built. Um, Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, good, good call. I, I, I still, I still believe Irving can have a have a positive impact on on, on a team. I won't go, I won't go. I don't oh, yeah. need to go off the oh, walls yeah. on him. Whether it can flourish, maybe, maybe a bit more time, a bit more planning alongside Doncic, possibly. Maybe they get find some way to get more defense in there. Maybe there's something more that we can see there. I was excited about it before. I, I think I, I, I'd be, I'd like to see it given another shot. I'd like to see them start the season together. If we're getting towards a trade deadline, it's still nothing. Nothing's nothing's really clicking there. Then maybe they they make the move then. But uh, James Harden's another one. You think he stays in Philly? You think that's that feels like a, a sign and trade waiting to happen? I think Nick Nurse would would be very interested in possibly moving off him and adding uh, his old boy Fred VanVleet. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I didn't even think about that. I I've been so focused on on uh, thinking about Freddie over there in uh in Houston. I I love that. I I did not even think about that. Um, you know, I I, I would uh, just to comment on that specifically. I don't think so. 
I, I don't think Fred would want to play with Nick Nurse. Not anything personal, but I think Fred has has made it clear that you know his his time this season was really tough because of the switch and play that took him away from the ball a bit. His big breakout season uh, didn't happen again because of how Nick Nurse wanted to play. Um, maybe that'd be different in Philly for sure. And that, that's a possibility, but I think if James Harden cares about winning, he's staying in uh, Philly. That's all I'll say. I mean, I, this is, and he says he cares about winning and we, I mean, not you take him at face value for everything he says. So since I'm, I'm in it with you and you're in it with him, then you know what? It, since James Harden believes in winning, he's going to stay in Philly. Okay. How about that? Yeah, I, I will yeah. take him as, at his word. That's fair. Let's let's not let's not try and question him for once. Then what about Fred Van Vliet? Where 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 do you where would you like to see him? Where would you like to see him land? I said it, man. I mean, I, I think you know, Houston has sixty-six million dollars in empty cap. And they could do a lot with that. Um and Fred Van Vliet, I think, is the beginning of a culture shift. That that is a guy who um, you know, he had a tough year this season, bounced back a bit near the end, but he gives you the playmaking. He gives you the effort on defense. I mean, this guy is top three, top five every single year and steals or deflections. That that guy is giving it his all every game. You need guys like that. You need smart playmakers, shooters, guys who are going to put their all into the game on a team like the Rockets where they need to build a culture. And that that's absolutely – that for me is, a, is my favorite dream of where he could go and really make an impact. He, he's not – He's not going to be a, a star player. He's not going to be an all-star. But what he could do for a team like that, I mean, could be so invaluable to to really show Jalen Green what it means to win, to show these other guys what it means to win. And also, I mean, bring his – get get a change of scenery. Maybe he gets a, a lot more opportunities to be as successful as he was uh, as a shooter the last few years. But I, I think that's my favorite fit. Yeah, I think I think I like that. I think you mentioned it to me before, and I think it, I thought about it, and it actually would be very interesting. I think he'd have a real positive impact with Jalen Green. Jalen Green is a guy I think you can explore not having the ball in his hands as much. And I think if you have Van Vliet arguably running the offense and playing mm-hmm. alongside a guy like Jalen Green, I think that'd be a, a nice uh, a nice two and fro. I think they I think they would they would play well together. I think he could definitely have a really positive impact there. There's other possible destinations. It just feels like there's a lot of teams that are, are already pretty guard heavy that would be interested in a guy like uh like Fred Van Bleed. So it's gonna be interesting. He's gonna be one of the interesting ones to keep an eye on. He's one that we know is gonna be on the move. I think that's all, all but guaranteed. He will not be going back uh to the to the Raptors, and it's gonna be interesting to see him for the first time in a different situation. Obviously it was this great story when he, and he broke through with Toronto and it's going to be interesting now if he, he's, he's betting on himself and he, and he's moved and he's moving on. It's going to be interesting to see where his career goes from here. Yeah. And I, ironically that, that is such a massive domino for the Raptors that I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be shocked. I'd be a little surprised, but I would not be shocked if, the Raptors give him what he wants in terms of money because losing Fred Van Vliet on that current, like who else is going to shoot? OG and is OG and going to take 10 threes a game. Like Fred, Freddie's shooting almost as many threes as Steph Curry. I mean, people, people <laughs> realize that, but it, it's Gary Trent jr. Who I believe is, is also a, uh, a free agent 
a player option. Is, is he going to take 18.6 or maybe he'll make something else? Maybe he's probably going to take that. Probably going to take that. But I mean, they they need to keep him. That that would set off a a really a really big chain reaction of of player movement in Toronto if he leaves definitively. But um, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm excited to see him get back on track. Um, there's so many unrestricted free agents. I mean, people are not even talking about Jeremy Grant for talking about Portland. He was, he was pretty big and and uh, booing their their defense for as average as it was. Um, Nobody's talking about Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. Talk about a series where you just watched Jokic just trounce everybody and nobody had uh, an answer for him that didn't cripple them on uh, the offensive end. Uh, imagine looking. <laughs> That's another reason, man. The, the, the Bucks made it to the finals. I mean, they, they have some answers for Jokic. I mean, teams do. I mean, Brooke Lopez, Giannis. I mean, Brooke Lopez, is, that's going to be a guy that will look very attractive to a team like the Heat. Very attractive. Same I thing with Jakob Pert. be attracted to a lot of things. I think the Bucks will be doing all in their power. I think he wants to stay with Milwaukee. I think they'll be doing all in their power to make sure he is back with them next year. Yeah, culture was I wouldn't wouldn't doubt it. Jakob Pertl too. Another uh, another big teams are thinking about how they're going to deal with the uh, the Jokic problem. I mean that that's a guy that's proven he's a great rim protector. But uh, again, sorry, I'm I'm going off on the Kamingas and the and the Pertles of the world. Who who's 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 our final gem here? Do we have any more gems? I think they're kind of that we've talked. We've talked kind of the big three, and then you get to the likes of who are we talking Russ. There's a few other guys that are that are, that are like that. There's no real other. No, Dylan Brooks. Send him to Houston too. Send him to Houston too. Culture, get that culture going. Get you need a little dog in these guys. That's true. We got that. We got uh, the still the upcoming possible uh, suspension for Jam Morant. What's that going to look like? We still wait to hear that. That's going to have a big impact on the Grizzlies, going to have a big impact on possibly on his career as a whole. Lots to look forward to this offseason. This draft, just one week away, we will get our full preview done for that. We'll be getting our, our research done over the next few days and coming back to talk all things draft ahead of next week's 2023 draft. It's, it's going to be a very interesting night, whether the trades go down before or on the night. I think it's going to be definitely one to... You're going to have to keep your eye on and the free agencies, the possible trades. I think there's always going to be one that you, no one ever spotted, but then it happened and everyone's like, oh yeah, I, I can, I guess why that happened. So still plenty going on in this NBA just because the season's over doesn't mean that trades and moves and big, huge news storylines aren't going to come out every other day. But for this episode, we are done. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Thanks to you all for listening. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.